Happy Hump Day. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is a Wednesday. We are in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. It's a Woody Wednesday. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, and I am Austin Ward. And uh, as teased by my esteemed colleague, it's time for some stonks. One week in. Okay. Down. Holding. Where do you think we are? Berms can't go first anymore. He steals everyone's pick. Bill. Malik Hartford. Oh, there it is. (laughs) No, I will start there. Uh, Where do I want to start? Um... Hmm. I bet you pick someone on the offensive line. No, I, I will eventually, but I don't want to. I don't want to start with that. Um, I think I will start with Tyrone Malone, um, who at times in the off season, when I have talked, me personally have talked about defensive line, defensive tackle depth to be more specific, have just like forgotten to mention him because I sometimes forget that he's on the roster because he joined uh, after spring ball and it was kind of a weird, uh, weird timing there. But when you saw him out on the field on the first day of camp, he looked like he belonged immediately. Like I, th- I think sometimes when guys transfer and they're in that weird in-between period, especially in the spring where they're like, they don't have a home quite yet, they can let things slack a little bit. And I'm talking physically. And he did not seem to do that. He seemed to make sure everything was on point. So when he got here, he could hit the ground running. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I know he had some he had some runway between when he got here and when we saw him for the first time. But I thought he looked really good just from a physical standpoint of practice. And then when he had to kind of step up from being down with the threes to being up more with the ones if Tyleek Williams got hurt, and he didn't stand out in a way that like made you think he didn't belong there. So um, I don't know what his role will look like in the fall just yet, but it is probably going to be more significant than I first gave him credit for when he arrived. Good pick. Uh, I'm going to say Joshua Fryer, who, mm. after listening to some of the defensive linemen talk in here last Thursday after the first practice, um, they they were very like quick to point out where they had their success and who they were able to uh, I think we were able to tell where take, it was, too. And then... When asked about going against Josh Fryer, the response was uh, decidedly different and, and how much stronger he's gotten at the point of attack, how much better his footwork has gotten. And I think that Ohio State has a left tackle. And so I think uh, that is pretty positive for the Buckeyes heading into uh, this quarterback battle, which we're going to get to see, you know, really the first real taste of on, on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Buckeyes will have their first scrimmage on Saturday. So um, Josh Fryer establishing himself as the left tackle. At this point in camp, I think it's pretty important, and I think he's done that. Um, and again, I just like to tell people that I was the only one who thought Josh Fryer could could do this. Hmm. You were the only one. Yep. Stuck up on Berm. That's years ago. That's not true. <laughs> I believed. Well, that doesn't mean you were the only one. Yeah, me and Vinny Gelati. That was it. Oh, okay. Oh, well, continuity. Family. <laughs> never, go, never go against the family. That's true. You shouldn't. Um, I, I think you could still scoop up some Jihad Carter at a pretty reasonable price, and that's despite Bill Landis' best efforts to pump it up throughout the offseason. <laughs> he was still going to be the starter. So we'll, we'll let both of these guys just keep patting themselves on the back for their uh, proje- projections. I mean, predicting a guy who was a three-year starter was going to start. No, yeah, it was, bold. it was bold. <laughs> was not all that bold. It was because I was, uh, as I talked about on Tuesday in Snappy Jays, like, I don't know brainwashed, uh, hypnotized by what I saw in those spring practices, which was Cam Martinez consistently ahead of Jihad Carter. Uh, but now, neither one of them are even in that first unit at the same position, and Jihad Carter has moved around and is playing in some of that deep safety role. Um, I, I enjoyed talking to him about those three because everyone's like, well, you're just really versatile and you can play every spot. Like, 
And yeah, that's true, but one of them still has to best suit your skill set. And I think that there's maybe some awareness that the best of the three was not nickel. And the fact that Ohio State and Jihad Carter have come to some sort of, I don't know, agreement, accord. agreement accord. and accord about the best way forward works in, in everyone's best interest. That they're, It's good, I think, for Perry Eliano and Jim Knowles, I would say stock up, that they are they seem more willing to entertain other ideas, to find solutions at safety. And good for Jihad Carter that he could play all three. Now, it doesn't mean that he should or that that's the best approach is to rotate them, you know, like a spin cycle through all three positions. I don't think that does anybody any favors over the course of the year. But um, Jihad Carter is healthy. He appears pretty confident. He's had six months, seven months now to learn that system and get the ground, hit the ground rolling a little bit here in training camp. And yeah, I think it bodes pretty well for him. I think that's the issue, though. Like, we, he was playing the same position that Cam was playing in the spring, and then he got hurt. It becomes difficult to figure out. You know, Cam, by all accounts, was really, really good in the spring. So you don't want to say, okay, he's he's the starter, no no doubt. Um, and then you see the rotation of the, the lineups, and like, okay, now I can see where it fits. Or, because Cam is more natural in that slot than Jihad, and then now – Again, to your point, like kudos to the staff for going, you know what, maybe we should, let's move Sonny instead. Like that's a, a you know, wise way of thinking. Yeah. Wisdom. Uh, yeah. Um, I, don't wisdom. Think, and I don't think it's something that we've seen in a while uh, here. So wisdom. I enjoy it. How, how much like Trevion Henderson stock do you think is still available out there for me to scoop up? Probably more than there should be. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel too. I feel like I'm getting, getting it at a good time. Um, it's a combination of, the way that Ryan Day has talked about him in the preseason, Trevion's mood when we talked to him earlier in the week, or I guess last weekend, uh-huh. um, just like super confident and and didn't seem to be like wearing the weight of last season on him in a, in a way that maybe I thought he might be. Um, he seems to have shed that quite well, and it was just like eager to get back onto the field and remind people how good he is. And obviously, there's there's the health question there, like can he remain healthy and, and stay durable throughout the season. I tend to think that he has a better shot of doing that in a world where they're so deep at running back. Maybe they can spell him a little more than they have in the past. And if he's healthy, like I, I've wavered a little bit back and forth between he and mine. Like, who do I think should get the majority of the touches? Dallin Hayden is in that conversation too. But the more we hear about the running backs, the more we talk to the guys, seeing Trevion like cut and run the way we expect him to on the first day of camp um, makes me feel pretty bullish on on the chances of him getting back to that four when we saw early on in his freshman year. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for what he could do this year. And if there's anything left for me to, to scoop up, I would gladly do that. Let me ask your opinion, because you were so often a year ago saying that you thought Mayan Williams was the best fit for the offense. Is Was that predicated on the fact that CJ Stroud was the quarterback and you needed to be able to mix it up between downfield passing and the power run game? Or was it because you just thought he was that much Obviously, we know that there was a foot injury, but the foot injury either exacerbated the the lack of vision or it was a result of lack of vision. I don't know. Do you think that Travion is a better fit for this offense with a unproven, inexperienced quarterback who maybe needs to throw the ball to the running back more or whatever? Because Travion in 2021 had, what, 30 catches or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, 30 targets or 23 catches. And he had six targets or six catches a year ago, one of those two. So. How much more valuable is he in an offense that requires the quarterback to utilize the, the running back in the passing game? I feel like last year's offense should have done that more. Now they scored a lot of points, but I, 
I think you're wasting a weapon if you don't do that. And Mayan Williams is pretty good out of the backfield as well. I, I mean, I don't think that anyone would say he's the most natural pass catcher, but all five of those guys can do that. Now, Travion's explosiveness is what sets him apart. And I think maybe the reason that I guess I've this has happened before. Where I've said, well, I think Mike Weber's the better fit because a lot of the downfield explosiveness, explosiveness in the Ohio State offense comes from the passing attack and the scheming up that stuff and getting people open down the field and relying on the quarterback's arm. I think what you need most or, or what I felt they needed most was someone who would break tackles, make one decision in one cut and go and move the chains. I don't think they Ohio State needs someone to break a 70 or 80 yard touchdown run. Now, it'd be great if they did and Travion can do that. But a lot of that for me comes back to the variance between Travion's runs when he is looking for not using maybe the vision or looking for an extra hole to score and Mayan Williams saying, you know what, this is where I'm supposed to go. I, they blocked it up for one-on-one. I'm going to get five yards and a first down, and the offense is going to keep rolling. I think that Travion at times last year did absorb that message. Which game was it, Bill? Like, I don't know. Maybe it was Penn State where it was like he was trying so hard to prove that he was tough, and then he was just taking guys on, yeah. and it was at, to the detriment. It's not what he does best. Yeah. I think some sort of uh, merging of those ideas makes Travion really good. I, yeah. I'm talking like – you got me onto something that I think is really important about this, and I could talk about it for another hour. I won't. But if Travion is year three J.K. Dobbins, which I think he can be, then you get the best of all those worlds. Yeah. For, this is a, a you thing, because I'm sure you'll 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 dive into this probably and investigate it. I'm curious. A year ago, he's so saying I, I won't. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm curious from a Ohio State offense perspective. Were they more successful on third and three and, and below or third and seven and below? I don't know offhand exactly. You know what I'm, you know I'm getting at? But like, I would say they were probably more successful like third and medium than they were third and short. And, and that I think goes to your point. Like a year ago, you're getting those first downs more often if it's Mayan Williams in the, in the game and not Travion Henderson. So much to the point that if it's you felt more comfortable at third and eight because you were going to throw the ball yeah. and catch it first mm-hmm. down than you were more like than you were to get a third and two in the running game. So, like I wonder how much just the, the overall approach changes for Ohio State. But I also think that that is part of the way that Ryan Day got bogged down in the play calling last year. That he felt like every third and two they had to run it, and it didn't it didn't match the identity of the team. It didn't match the skill set if Mayan Williams wasn't out there necessarily, and when. Ryan Day at Ohio State has been at its best on fourth and one or fourth and two or third and one and third and two. He is willing to throw down the field like and and take, you know, put the game in the hands of his quarterback or his best players. And that's when they've stretched the field the most. And some when that disappeared, that also put Travion Henderson in a tougher spot aside from the energy uh, injury. It also put Mayan Williams in a spot where getting to and, and fighting for three became much more challenging. Like all of this stuff is connected and it's not it doesn't mean that. Travion was incapable of doing stuff at his best or that, you know, Mayan Williams was a better back or that anybody anybody else, like all those things work together to slow down Ohio state and keep them from their peak operating capacity. All this to say stock up on Travion. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh That's what we've we've agreed to. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. I'm going to say stock up on Caden Curry, um, who we've not talked a lot about this off season because there's been so much focus on every other part of the defense and, how Jack Sawyer fits in at being back at a full-time defensive end position. The Buckeyes really only have five defensive ends, and I think Caden Curry is 
pretty clearly the fourth in that group, um, but he is very different compared to what Kenyatta Jackson or Omari Abor bring as far as, um, you know, the, the backup guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's going to be a moment this year, and, and it's going to happen probably frequently, where Caden Curry gets in the game and makes plays happen because that's what he does. Um, but you look at him, he just looks like he's got that, that weight that we talked about all offseason. Like, he's now comfortable in it. You can see he looks pretty much like what a defensive end at Ohio State is supposed to look like. And I, I think you're going to see a John Simon-type career still from here for him. Um, and I just don't want people wow. to for, I don't want people to forget him. Okay. And um, I, I really do, as Jack Sawyer, because we don't know from a conditioning standpoint how much he's going to be able to hold up as far as playing those 40, 50 snaps like you talked about with Michael Hall. Like, Jack's not had to do that. So is he going to be able to do that at his 275 pounds? Right. Or is Caden going to get a lot of opportunities to spell him? And I think that he will um, be a bigger part of this defense than we've discussed recently. So I don't want – I'm going to – I own a lot of Caden Curry stock, obviously. You might own all of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding, but I want people to remember that it's there yeah. and it's it's going to be worth more uh, yeah. in the upcoming And they should future. buy it from you. They should you buy can. it from me. I will sell it to you. Because he controls the market, That's which right. is important. Yeah. I am uh, buying stock in Cade Stover wearing block O this year for Ohio State. Oh, that's a nice changeup. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Tommy Eichenberg could wear it. I don't think he wants that attention, that spotlight. Uh, on Does him. Cade? <laughs> well, yes and no. I think that Cade wants to be the heartbeat of this team, the leader. He Because last year... When he has to answer questions after losing the game in December about the toughness of the team, that was a personal affront to him and the way he lives his entire life. So if he wasn't the de facto A number one captain on that team last year, which he was very important, but I don't think the primary focal point of the leadership, I don't think he wants to ever have to answer a question about the toughness of Ohio State again. We know that how important his position is, the way he plays it, the mentality, the work ethic, the Iron Buckeye that he grew up in the state. And he, it's not even going to be that hard to remove the middle piece of the eight, and it'll still look pretty natural. the red the stone just marker just cut that off. So yeah. I think he's got to be it. I mean, I don't – Tommy is close. His last name is Stove, like, oh, <laughs> boxed over. They can put it – they can enlarge it in the middle. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Just do it on the back. I, I, I really – if it's not him, I will be stunned. Should we? Are we who are, the other, who are the other candidates? So the other Xavier candidates Johnson, are Tiger Johnson, Tommy, Tommy Eichenberg. Yeah, I think Court Williams might be a candidate. Xavier Court, Lathan. Uh, I mean, there's a couple other guys out there, but I, yeah, I, I don't think JC. I don't think based on the criteria that you have, like it has to be, in my opinion, based on and what in my understanding, I guess it needs to be a senior. They got to be on the captain's list. They have to have done that, had that role for multiple seasons. Um, you know, it helps if you've got – now, this Cam Bab was not from the state of Ohio, but I think that was the way they sort of originally envisioned it is that you understand what it means to be wearing the scarlet and gray. You know, Jonathan Cooper, I think, was a perfect embodiment of that for the first go-around. And I know that we could probably come up with other options, but if Cade doesn't embody that, I just – I don't know what they're doing. I'm with it. Yeah, it's a good buy. I think it's a good buy. Um is it too early to be down on right tackle? Nope. I part of me feels like I'm I'm basing it off of one practice, and now they are what six into this or five into this, I guess. Um, I just 
I don't know. I, I maybe I hope to show up to the first day of camp to feel uh, a little more confident about what was going on there. And I think it's probably fine that the position did not look great on that particular day. And part of me wants to save this for like when we actually get to watch more practice later in the week on Friday to mm-hmm. see how that goes. Whenever, but today's stock watch when they're full pads. But today is stock watch day, so I'm I'm held to it. Um, <laughs> I am I am like slightly Sorry, down. I'm slightly down. I don't want to be down in a way that like alarms people, but I think that maybe they're a little farther behind finding out the right guy at that position than I thought they would be. Do you think you would have felt differently if you had just seen? not zen with the first unit and that's i don't mean that as an as a slight but we saw what that looked like throughout spring and if they'd gone out and like had tegra or josh simmons out there i'm like ah well they must have seen something different over the course of the summer that they really like yeah maybe and it's less about the player itself and more about how just what we saw matched up with what had been being set up until that point okay which to me suggests like a little bit of like we don't know what we have yet so um, I think that's it. It's not that like I think Zen is a bad player. I think Zen is a developmental offensive lineman who is still trying to figure stuff out, and that's okay because everyone else at the position is in basically the same spot. Just mm-hmm. that Josh Simmons has played a little more than the others there. So um, there's a lot of a lot of practice left. Like I'm not I'm not concerned they're not going to get it right by the time the Indiana game rolls around. But to Berm's point about the left tackle spot, like I, I actually agree with you. It does feel like that is pretty much settled, and. Not that I thought right tackle would be settled at this point, but I thought that I would feel stronger about it being fairly close to that You would point. have hoped it'd be closer to yeah. settled, and it feels yeah. more open than ever. Yeah. And we're in the second week of practice, and that's certainly concerning. Um, and, yeah, I agree with that. I don't really – I'm trying to think of anyone else that I would – so, like, immediately say stock up or stock down. Well, we've talked about some, like Carnell Tate. and Yeah, I mean, we – I just don't want to talk about him too much. Yeah, right, I'm afraid right. people will right. put too, too high of expectation. But, like, it's clear I think he needs to play. Um, I, I also am pretty close to feeling like Lace and Ransom, we talked about him a lot on Snap Judgments, like the expectations for Lace and Ransom should be an All-American type season at Ohio State. If he's healthy, the physical changes, the way the defense should be able to operate, being more comfortable, understanding the terminology better, um, feeling like you are locked into your spot, not worrying about coming, you know, anyone else around. Like, Lathan Ransom is going to be on that field for Ohio State. All the other changes that happen at safety, like, Lathan Ransom's going to be there. Like, yeah. that's what you know. Um, and I, I think that because of that, his stock needs to be back up to where it was last year, middle point of the season, uh-huh. um, because he will make or break this defense, I think, in a lot of ways. If he has that dip that he had at the end of last year, then I think that the defense will have a dip like it did a year ago because he was dipping a little bit, but then you had Ronnie Hickman who was like off a cliff and it was not enough to, to give people confidence. But like Lathan Ransom, that confidence is there. The body is, is where it wants to be. He's healthy. He's locked in. So that's the final guy for me would be Lathan. All right. Keep an eye on those. I think that's enough. I don't need to throw another one out there. You guys have covered it. That's that's eight for one week of camp, and we'll probably have a lot more that we can dive into once we get through uh, the end of week two, have uh, a viewing period on Friday, which we can't wait for. Ohio State will scrimmage. We'll probably get a good feel for who is where at that point, and then we'll come back and we'll dive into stocks uh, in the middle of next week on a hump day edition of the podcast. Daily. Thanks for joining us for this one. That's Bill and Berm. I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.